as we celebrate Christmas Eve, and I hope that you've had a good week and kind of a, a good season of celebrations. Um, grateful for Steve filling in for me last week while I was in Ohio and just being able to spend some time with family. It's always a good time to go back and, and visit with them. Today is our last Sunday of Advent, which means Christmas is soon. It's tomorrow. Is anyone excited for Christmas? Just a couple hands. Some of the kids over there. It's good. Is anybody, especially the younger parents, are you, are you worried that you won't get as much sleep tonight because you might get woke up early this tomorrow morning? Just out of the excitement that happens around this season. You know, this season is full of joy, and that's what we come to celebrate this, this morning, the joy of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm sure this pa the past few weekends, or, or maybe today and tomorrow, is full of celebrations, uh, of gatherings, uh, of time, of just enjoying this season. And when it comes to praising our Lord during this season, we have different things like hymns, like what we sang today that speak about the joy that we have because of the coming of our Savior. We have joy to the world. We have joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Good Christian, Christian men rejoice, which we sang today. But you know, besides singing these hymns, where the words are just kind of there, and, and maybe we're following through with emotions of what, what's there in front of us, how is it that we express our joy? How is it seen by others? How is it recognized by others? You know, we see this term joy, we talk about it, but how do we, how do we understand it? How do we live that out in our life? You know, it's all throughout scripture where we see joy. You know, many times when we reflect on things that are joyful, we can reflect on simple things such as, you know, maybe marriages or, or children being born. Um, time off, Christmas bonuses, sweets. I mean, there's so many things that can bring us a level of joy. But how are we exhibiting that to those around us? How is the joy of our salvation impacting our communities, our families, our churches, our life? What about the lack of joy? You ever think about that side of it? You know, Webster says... That joy is the emotion that's evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. It is the expression or exhibition of such emotion, the source or cause of delight bringing a state of happiness. Now, one distinction that I want to make kind of early on today is the difference between joy and happiness. Because even as I give that short list early out what could be joyful, it could also just be a state of happiness. You know, happiness is usually a fleeting state. It's temporary, it's subjective, it's superficial. What might make one person happy may not make another person happy. Now, we don't pray for people to be unhappy. We don't want to discount the emotion. But at times, especially in our culture, we see how happiness can become central in people's lives. It could be a chief aim that we have, a goal, in order to be happy. Now that might just be trying to avoid boredom or trying to be entertained. 
but it is something that we want to acknowledge as a stumbling block for people. And when I was subbing in junior high um, back in Ohio, it was for a social studies class. I got to sub, and normally they give quizzes when a sub comes in or you watch a video. And that day in particular, it was a quiz on world religions. And I laughed out loud when I was reading through the answer key, when I saw that the chief aim of Christianity is happiness in the eternal life. I just laughed. Understanding what culture can do in terms of twisting terms or twisting words, twisting outcomes or results to understand um, error. Now, happiness in and of itself, is not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a fine emotion, but when we make it the central focus, that's where we, where we need to be careful of. Joy, on the other hand, is a deeper form of happiness, one where it brings peace to our souls, one that can grow in adversity and trials. One of my favorite verses in James, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. So again, through adversity, you can grow and still have joy. You might not be happy, but you can still experience joy. And I find that fascinating. You know, joy is a state of being. It's a fruit of the spirit. So there has to be this marked difference in our understanding as we approach this topic today in terms of our study. Now, just kind of a brief survey before we begin. For the most part, I think that we can understand joy as it relates to our salvation. As recipients of salvation, we understand what Christ did for us. We understand that it should be bringing us joy. Um, But throughout the scriptures, you see this anticipation of the coming Messiah. You see the joy that's there in the Old Testament. But you also see joy with feasts. You see joy coming out as Yahweh uh, brings Israel victory as it's uh, recorded in the Psalms. You see joy and rejoicing oftentimes being accompanied by musical instruments. Um, when Solomon is declared king in 1 Kings chapter 1, you know, many times as you're reading through the Bible, you just kind of read over it and you read past different things. But when you're reading it with a lens, like I'm looking for the term joy and I'm reading through some of these passages, things just pop out and it's just like, wow. And you get to go in deeper with that. Did you know that when Solomon is declared king, the people have this parade and it says that all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. That never stuck out to me before. What kind of joy would it take? What kind of sound would it take to split the earth with a joyful noise? Is that the type of joy that we have approaching this Christmas season? Are we coming in here ready, exuberant, excited, ready to split the earth? It's also bowl season for college football. And sometimes as you're watching these games, the announcers will, especially the louder stadiums, will say, this is the decibel level of this stadium. And you're astonished at home at how loud it is. But is it loud enough to split the earth? How does our praise compare to that? I think we might need a little bit more cowbell. If you know, you know. (laughs) 
Also in the Bible, you see how people are called to serve with joy in Deuteronomy. And then God has joy over the people in Zephaniah 3.17. This is what is recorded here. And this, again, was an awesome verse to study. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. When you think of the joy that God has over you, oh man. You know, I went back to, to Moses on Mount Sinai and, and the people who hear, you know, the trembling, who hear the thundering, who hear God speaking to Moses and saying, we don't want to talk to God. We don't want him to talk to us. Let him talk to you. But here in Zephaniah, God is singing over the people. How exciting is that? I mean, what would you do if the Lord is singing over you? So there, there's many uses for the term joy in the Bible. There's many examples. Just like with peace, I could spend the entire time doing a survey this morning and breaking down some of those, very easily walking through scripture and looking at these meanings. But today, I just wanna walk through two announcements with you in the Gospel of Luke. So if you wanna join me in Luke chapter one today, we're gonna look at Mary's praise, just a couple of the verses there to unpack joy and understanding that in this season. And as you're making your way to Luke one, I'll invite you to stand as we read these verses. Um, just for this passage today. And today I'm going to read verses 46 through 48. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Father, as we unpack this term of joy and what joy means in our hearts and minds, I pray this morning that we can attach that so strongly to the salvation that we have received and that joy would just exude from our mouths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Now you can kind of keep your Bibles open in this section of, of the Bible because we'll kind of be around and I'll share some other passages as well. But you know, you, you look at this praise and obviously you can continue reading through it and see the praise, the love that she has for our God. But we're gonna just focus on the first couple of verses this morning uh, for this first announcement that we're gonna look at. And we're gonna look at some of these verbs that are in here that we wanna take notice of. You look there in verse 46, and you see that her soul magnifies the Lord. Now, this term magnify could also mean to glory, to praise. But you know, just very practically, looking at what it means to magnify, it means to make bigger, to increase, to be greater than, to amplify. You think of a magnifying glass and how it, it brings things uh, closer to you, uh, or you can concentrate sunlight through it, and what you do with that sunlight is your own, up to your own imagination. 
But, you know, you, you think about how she is magnifying, how her soul is glorifying and praising God in mighty ways. And this kind of sets the scene for her praise, for her prayer that she is sharing here. Secondly, you see that her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. Now, she's also rejoicing because he has looked upon the humble estate that she is in as a servant. You see that that for, it's a reason word, right? At the start of verse 48, it's giving the reason of why she is rejoicing, because God has looked upon her. And again, you see this attitude of praise coming out. Now, this term uh, of rejoicing, it is a different term than the normal term that you would find for praise in the Greek, but it's a term that's used here to show out more of the extreme. One of the, the dictionaries defines this as to experience a state of great joy and gladness, often involving verbal expression and appropriate body movement, to be extremely joyful, to be overjoyed, to rejoice greatly. So I think we want to also understand that there are different levels of joy, right? We can see that in people, but the one thing that we want to understand is that joy is expressed. It is recognized. It's not kept dormant. It's not kept inside, but rather it is visible. So within these first two verbs so far, we can see the extreme nature. We can see the intensity in which the joy is bursting out of her heart for God. So we look at these two verbs. We look at how she is praising God. And again, I want to point it back to us. How does our praise relate? How does our joy compare to what Mary is experiencing at this moment as she is praising God? Now, I want to, again, be careful in word selection, just like with happiness and understanding that. Sometimes people can cling to the fact that I just said experience because that's another point of contention within the church in terms of making things experiential. First, we don't want to discount our experience. And secondly, we don't want to elevate our experience. If we're discounting experience, chances are our faith is probably full of head knowledge and it's just an intellectual exercise. If we're elevating our experiences, perhaps we're just looking for that emotional connection or that high and we're not spending time in the word of God or understanding our doctrine. Both tend to be generalities, but again, both tend to be causes of conflict within the church. So I just want to make that be aware for people. Rather, when we understand experience, we want to understand it for what it is, as an opportunity or a moment to praise the Father. For instance, you are given today this, this lovely, sunshiny, beautiful day. But we need the rain, so it's wonderful. You are having this experience worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we overlook those things? And just look to the next thing? Or do we sit in the moment resting in this time, worshiping our Father that, in the time that he has given us? Now when we look at the experience that she is going through, obviously she is carrying the Messiah. So of course she's joyful, right? She's going to be having a baby soon. She's been uh, told this by an angel. Of course she's joyful. 
I could never have that experience. It's true. It's very individual. Instead, what I want us to draw from is the experience that we have with Jesus. So you think about our salvation stories. You think about our testimonies. What is your current state because of him? Now, as we understand that salvation and redemption come from him, what does our praise then look like? What is the joy in our heart because of that? You know, if, we ex- if our experience is salvation from our sins, if our experience is being set apart uh, to be made into new creations, to be made into the image of Christ, is our soul magnifying God? Is our spirit rejoicing right now in just the same way that hers is or was? You know, I'm gonna continue to proclaim and shout from the mountaintops that as Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the world because we are saved from our sins. There should not be a lack of joy in our life. So I want you to humor me for a moment. I want you to just kind of just stop and close your eyes and reflect with me on something. So with our eyes closed, I just want you to, to contemplate this. Think about the time before you became a Christian, before Christ called you his own. You are a sinner destined for hell because your sin has separated you from the Father. Your sin is ugly, hideous. You are unworthy. You're an enemy to God. You are in despair, utterly hopeless, living the best life you can now in this fallen and broken world. And then the gospel message comes to you. The Father shows you that he has provided you one way to salvation. That is through his Son, who voluntarily goes to the cross to be a sacrifice to pay for your sins. He makes peace between you and God, and he promises you eternal life of peace, of joy, of love, spent with the Father, spent with fellow believers where we will spend eternity worshiping him in new bodies, in a glorified state, perfect. Does this bring a smile to your face? Do you have awe? Does it bring joy to your heart? Still still with our eyes closed, If you're not experiencing that, if you're not understanding that this morning, then I believe that you're probably struggling with doubts or burdens in your faith or you're struggling with unbelief where things that are going on in your life seem to be more real or or the painful experiences that you have speak louder than the truth of the word of God. And if you are there this morning, I just want to pray comfort and peace to come over you in waves. That you will know his love. That you will repent in the areas that you need to repent in so that you can walk joyfully in the Father's love.
because we need to rest in the simple truth of the gospel message. You can open your eyes now. You know, it's no secret that as Christians, we're going to have times of doubt. We're going to have times of struggle as we go through this life. We have challenges to our faith. You know, challenge, pressure, things that come in help us to grow. Where we actually are putting into practice what we talk about each week, what we read in the Bible, where it's not just words on the page or it's not just something kept in a church building, but it's something that we walk. It's something that we live because our salvation, because Christ is in us and he is impacting us so much that it comes out of us. It bursts out of us in joy. Where we can experience him through our days and our nights. We can experience his truth as we're battling an enemy who wishes to devour us. But instead we stay firm to the truth because we have the joy of salvation residing in us. You know, when, when Elaine passed away, I had several people who would consistently feel led by the Spirit to tell me that the Lord loved me. I'm a pastor. I know that. I might not always believe it. You know, we go through hardships, we go through trials, we go through adversity, we know the truth of God, but those doubts can creep in. Those times where the enemy is trying to pull us away from the hand of God can come in. And people would continue to speak this truth into my life. And I would have to walk in belief and in obedience, even in those times where I might not want to. Even through those, those times where I was seeking the Lord in lament, in pain, and in sorrow. I wasn't happy, but I was able to experience the joy of God because I understood his love. Even through adversity, even through pain. And it's those brothers and sisters that come alongside to speak that truth into your life, that are obedient to the Lord's calling and the Spirit's movement in their own lives to encourage, to equip, to build up. It's so important to have one another in this journey, to share in his love and truth, to share in the joy together. You know, you think about even as, as unbelievers, even in the ugliness of our sin, God's love is there because he sends, he sends Jesus, even though we were still enemies, to, to die on our behalf. There's so much depth to the love of God that we don't understand, that we just put aside. I'll just take a couple of drops here, Lord. That's all I need. I'm good. Thanks. There's so much more to the joy of the Lord because of the salvation to our understanding. So if you're a believer who is struggling this morning, know that God loves you. Know that. And his love brings joy to your heart and soul each and every day as you walk and as you're obedient with what the word says. The third verb in this section is blessed. At the end of verse 48, Blessed, in its root form, shares the root with joy. It's a term of, and this term of being blessed refers to a state of happiness and fortune. To be blessed by God means that you are exuding joyfulness. 
so the blessing and the understanding or, or the walking in this blessing is is there in our life and again as as we're attacked as we face trials that that blessing can be dimmed for a time you know as you're going through those times you know as fellow believers it's important for us to step up you know for those that are in this room each and every one of you that i know that that trust jesus as our lord and savior know that you are blessed beyond any gift that you're going to receive tomorrow Salvation is the greatest gift that you can ever receive. The material things are just stuff. They might bring some little happiness, but we want to walk in this truth. We don't want to discount the truth that we have in the experience of salvation because it is truly wonderful. The second passage or announcement that I want to walk through with you is in Luke 2. Um, Simply just what the angels are telling the shepherds. Verse 10 of Luke 2. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, as I said earlier, you know, a baby is a a wonderful occasion to experience joy. Um, You just kind of want to soak up all of those moments. You want to enjoy the time of them being so little because they grow up so quick. And then they're taller than you and bigger than you. And then they move out and, and all of those things. So you just soak up all of that time that you have with newborns. Now, you know, as we had the word um, in the first announcement in terms of um, rejoices being more of the extreme version of that, in this passage, it's just the normal term for joy. But what, what the angel does here is he adds the adjective great before it, so it adds emphasis to the type of joy that is expressed here. It's not just your run-of-the-mill, happy-go-lucky occasion. You know, and it's also saying that this, this baby is not just for the parents, but it's for people everywhere. This baby is the Christ, the promised Messiah. He is the Lord. And that is why this news is full of great joy. Now, the meaning of Savior is a wonderful message for all people, and it's seen throughout all of the scriptures. Throughout the scriptures, you have people rejoicing at the salvation of God. And it's something for all to be excited by and to continue to celebrate with joy. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself, with her jewels. So there you see how he is greatly rejoicing because he is clothed with the garment of salvation. He is greatly rejoicing and he has gladness, he has joy, he is exulting because of what God has done for him. Psalm 16 verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices. 
My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So you see how this psalmist is rejoicing with what he is receiving from God. And you notice that in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. When we think about Christmas season, the presence of God is coming down in the form of Jesus as a baby. The presence of God is with the people. You think of us at this side of the cross. The presence of God dwells inside of us through the Holy Spirit. So there should be a fullness of joy. Understanding that the fullness of joy is in the presence of God. This was great news and it would be life-changing for everyone. Staying in the book of Luke, turn over to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 is a chapter with three different parallel parables about things that were lost and now found. I think we're pretty familiar with the three examples of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. But I want you to focus on verses 7, 10, and 32 with me. So in verse 7 it says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10, just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then at the very end of verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate and to be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now the the term be glad is the term joy there. To be joyful, to rejoice over the fact that his brother was lost and now is found. So we see the importance of how salvation, uh, uh, the salvation of one lost sinner brings about great joy and excitement to God, to all of the angels who rejoice over one lost person coming to God. It is such an exciting thing. It just alleviates any of the burdens or the pressures that you might be facing because you understand the joy that is within salvation. And if you don't know about that salvation, you would like to, to talk more about that, see me afterwards, see one of the elders afterwards, and we can talk to you about that. To understand, you know, I'm just not really feeling much joy right now. I don't, you talked about how you're supposed to be happy and you're supposed to be joyful and all this thing with salvation. I'm just not feeling that right now. Again, life can be kicking you. You could be going through pain. You could be going through laments. You can have heavy burdens, but there's still joy within that because you understand your salvation. You know, this theme of joy is seen throughout Jesus' life, even up to his last moments. You know, um, he says a lot to his disciples during the Last Supper in the book of John. But one thing that he says in John 15, you know, he's talking about that's the, the abiding chapter, the fruit and the vine. And he says this at the end of that section in verse 11. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Again, I want to just to highlight the difference between joy and happiness. 
Life is going to have its hardships. You might not be in a constant state of happiness, and that's okay. Because you understand that Jesus' heart and his prayer for his disciples is that his joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. You know, I'm reminded how he says earlier in John chapter 10 that he is to give you life and you are to have it abundantly. You know, there is just a fullness about joy where our life is to be full of joy. One that is praising God with thankful hearts for the salvation that we've received. Now to finish up today, I'd like to, you to turn over to Psalm 118 with me. Kind of the middle of your Bible. Psalm 118, I want to read with you uh, verses 19 through 25. Verse 19 says, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. So you look at this passage and you just contemplate about this prayer from the psalmist. And one for us who sit on this side of the cross, understanding as we enter the gates of salvation, we understand the revealed truth of God even more um, in terms of his promise of salvation being fulfilled through the person of Jesus, the Christ. And again, it should just solidify our joy all the more where he has become our salvation. We enter the gates through his righteousness and we enter with thanksgiving and praise, rejoicing in the day that he has given us. That is why this season is such a season of joy because we reflect on the fulfilled promises of God and how it should be guiding our daily lives, understanding his truth that his promises are true. And that as people of God, we should be ones who are magnifying him. Where our soul is, is rejoicing in all that he has done. And that joy should be filling us, our hearts, souls, and minds. So that with all of our strength, we can praise him to the point that we would split the earth. What an awesome goal to have. What an awesome thought that the people of God with one voice being united, praising our risen Savior with such loud voices, with such joy, with such exuberance to split the earth. May his name ever be praised. Let's pray.
Father, as we come before you today, understanding that uh, tomorrow is Christmas and that we are going to be celebrating um, the birth of our Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to know of your salvation in deeper and deeper ways each day. That the joy that we have because of our salvation would be expressed, that it would be on display for all to see, and that you would give us those opportunities to share the reason for the hope that is within us, to share the joy that is in our hearts. Lord, I pray that through this season, especially as we deal with family members who who do not know you, who don't want to know you. Lord, that they wouldn't just see us happy, but that they would see us joyful, praising you for who you are and what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you please stand for our last song?